0: Hi there, Casey Smith here, this is Shoulder Charge, a Rugby League podcast. On the show this week, I'll be focusing on all things Salford Red Devils. You may have seen recently in the press that sales sharks have put a bid in to buy the AJ Stadium. There are also rumours swirling around that Gary Neville's Salford City are involved in the bid. But what will this all mean for the Red Devils? I've been speaking to Pete Brady, who's the chairman of the Salford RLFC Supporters Trust, to shed some light on the situation. And he didn't hold back. So stay tuned for that one. You don't want to miss it. Now, we're going to start with the weekend Super League action. But before I do that, you may have noticed there was no podcast last week. So the reason for that was the editing system imploded, basically. Uh, I lost the whole episode and I didn't want to do another one, so we missed a week. Uh, We was going to hear from Andy Millsdale of North Wales Crusaders in that week. That's been put back to next week, so you won't be missing that. Never mind all that, anyway. Uh, On Thursday, Wigan overcame Hull in a closer run tie. It finished 16 points to 14 uh, forget the action for a minute though, because before the game, we saw uh, the owner of Wigan, Ian Lenigan, hailing the fantastic new Super League deal. Talk about polishing a turd. You know, what is it, about £14 million pounds less a year? Well, it's somewhere between £10 million and £14 million, uh, a year less. So, you know, how the hell... Can you come on Sky Sports, who are the new partner? Well, not the the you know they've extended the contract for another two years. How can you come on and say this is a great deal? It, it, you're losing ten million quid a year at the at least. Oh yeah, and the rumours of a ten team league. Uh, no, let's not go down that road. You know. How many game? How many repeat games are we going to have? We've already got too many. Who's going to watch Wigan v Saints about five or six times a year? I don't think so. And if you, if you want to actually expand the game, why why are you reducing the league size? You you're just showing to everyone that your quality is not good enough. So let's hope that idea doesn't even get off the starting blocks. And it looks like there's no money going down to Championship and League One. So what will that mean for, for those clubs? Um, hoping to have a stakeholder of one of the clubs in them leagues in the coming weeks to discuss all that. So stay tuned. But back to the game. It was two good sides going at each other but ultimately Wigan made less errors so they got the points sometimes it comes down to fine margins like that you know uh, for Hull FC Jake Connor's a great talent but the, the the weakness in his game well sometimes it's his strength and the other times it's his weakness he needs to make sure that it's more his strength because his discipline isn't good enough and he allowed himself to be wound up by Wigan. And that's what happened, and he got simbinned. And for Wigan Warriors, the, the, it wasn't a pretty win. You know, Bev and French were quiet, but a win's a win. And after five rounds, only Wigan and St. Helens remain unbeaten. In terms of whole FC, I was impressed with Joe Cater, you know, 22 years old, made 61 tackles, 15 carries, and 89 metres in the game. Which is good going, and he only I think he only made nine appearances last year. So, and if you look at the standings for tackles this year, he's third. So you know it's not a one off. He's been doing it so every game so far. So hopefully he keeps that up. Uh, in in the standings, he's just behind Danny Hudson, and uh, Sam Powell. So he's in good company there. On Friday, there were three ties. Salford lost to Castleford, 28-18. Catalans beat Wakefield, 38 points to 18. And Saints beat Lee, 22-12. We'll start with Salford, who I think they were much improved. You know, Richard Marshall, they've got a new coach, new ideas. It's taking time, you know, to find the win, but they looked... a more solid side, I thought. You know, Callum Watkins. He had a good game. I've said in recent weeks, it might be between Salford and Lee. Well, now you know, perhaps not if if they can consistently perform. You know, they've got quite a, quite a bit of quality in the in the side, even if you know they're a bit weak defensively. Yeah, that that was the issue against Castleford but you know Castleford one of the better sides in the league but for the first try the, the the kicks from Danny Richardson the first one forced a knockout of Elliot Keir should have caught that probably and then the second one Danny Richardson the cross field kick out to Greg Eden out wide in acres of space nobody nobody was in the Salford defence you know nobody spotted him he, will, he, he, he just walked it through basically so You know, they need to be aware of that. Uh, Also, for the Liam Watts try, where Paul McShame sort of like bypassed three or four defenders, who they got a touch on him, but he was away. They should have brought him down a bit, really. If they sort out them, then it's a couple of points in that game. Still not a win for Salford, but it's an improvement, and they're looking a more solid, a more steely side, I think. On to Catalan's Wakefield... I didn't see the game, but it was always going to be an uphill task for Wakefield with the players that they've got out. And they weren't heavily beaten by Catalans uh, at half time. There was only eight points in it, but it just the, the gap just grew in the second half. And it's it's this. I think it's similar to Salford. You know, you feel the winds coming for Wakefield. They've got Leeds and Hull are up next. They'll be targeting those two, but it's frustrating for them at the moment but I think they, the win will come. And on, for Catalans, it's just keep keep going along, keep picking up the wins and see, see what happens in the, in, in the playoffs if they get there. On to uh, Levy Saints. I've said a few times this season that Saints, they're not putting enough points on the board and it will level at half-time. And I think that's for the second week in a row now, but they've produced another good second-half performance. For Lee, it's taken a while to for, for them to get adjusted to the league, but it's a step in the right direction. So let's look at Saints. They've only conceded 22 points going into this game, and Lee's goal was just over that, over half of that, sorry. So I've already said, for Lee, try scoring is not their issue. It's the defence, and... For Lee, you've got to be inspired by that performance. It was a defeat, but this is against St Helens, who were, who were at the top of their game and have been for quite a number of years now. But for, for Lee, it's not getting any easier because they've got Wigan next. Although they do tend to be better against the bigger teams after that. Uh, it's Huddersfield and Hull KR. Lee are not far away at the moment. For the Saints, they might be unbeaten, but they're gonna to have to be better. Simple as that. And perhaps you know, last year last year's start was not good enough. But they still won the grand final, but they didn't win the League Leaders Shield. But perhaps perhaps losing the games was a more of a wake up call. You know, if you're just getting you're getting the wins, you're getting the points on the board, but you're not performing, you're not gonna have the shock of Oh, God, we're going to have to step up our game. If you keep winning, those little things that you may need to improve on get bypassed because you, you're winning anyway. So you think, well, you know, we're winning. It's not Things are not made as big an issue when you're winning games, are they? And I think that might be an issue for St. Helens, you know, as and when they play the better sides. Uh, next was Hulk AR Warrington, the Wolves, Scored 50 points to whole KR's 26. And that's made even more bizarre when you consider that whole KR was actually winning that game at half-time. So what on earth happened in the second half? And for whole KR, this is becoming a habit now because they've done this already against Castleford and against Huddersfield. You know, last week you thought they'd turn the corner with the win against Leeds. But if they want to break free from being near the bottom of that table, they've got to overcome this strange swing in the halves. For Warrington, it's another good win. Psychologically, for them to overcome a deficit at half-time and then absolutely smash the opponent in the second half, that's a big plus for them, I think. And barring that first game against Castleford, which they lost... I think they've been pretty solid. They seem to have gone under the radar a bit, and I think that may well suit them. Now, there's just another game to round up before we get to the big interview with Pete Brady. On Sunday, it was Huddersfield v Leeds, and it was Leeds who lost out by, a. I was going to say a last minute, it was a last second, literally on the Hooter, drop goal. To give Huddersfield a 14-13 to 13 win. And it was a tight affair from minute one. It, it was looking like two teams who were desperate. In totally shocking form. Two teams desperate not to lose. And judging by all the missed drop goals. You know it looked like they didn't want to win either. For Huddersfield it stops the rot. For Leeds it's four losses on the spin now. And it's five if you include the Challenge Cup. Last year, and okay, it was a crazy season, I think Leeds uh, completed 17 games. So, you know, all over the place in terms of structure and and games played, games called off left, right, and centre because of COVID-19, of course. Uh, last year, Leeds only lost seven. They've already lost four. So they need to start picking up points because if not, it's no top five for them. That was what happened last week in Super League. Now let's get on to the main event. Salford Red Devil's future is in doubt after reports that sales sharks are in talks to buy the AJ Bell Stadium. Now when the city of Salford Community Stadium was initially built, now named the AJ Bell for sponsorship reasons, its sole purpose was to serve the community of Salford, hence its name. So perhaps it's understandable there's dismay amongst Salford Red Devils and its fans that a team from outside the borough may be about to become the sole owner. I caught up with Pete Brady, chairman of Salford RLFC Supporters Trust, earlier on to discuss the current situation and what it means for the club.
1: Okay, so where we are at the moment is that um, it's a bit difficult for the council to engage with us fully because they're in a a pre-election mode. Uh, I think they call it Perda, so um, they have to be very careful what they say and how they phrase things, um, and if it's considered to be political, but essentially what we know of the situation is that they've heard uh, an informal approach from Sail Sharks, uh, who are the co-tenants of the AJ Bell Stadium, or should I say the City of Salford Community Stadium, because that's officially what it's called, AJ Bell bought the naming rights for it um, a few years ago, and um, they are in discussion about um you know acquiring the the, the assets and the, uh and, but the idea that they would become the owners of the, the assets and therefore um dictate terms to whoever was to share that um, that with them. Uh, our understanding is that um they because of the fact we don't pay the rent that was um, laid out in the, the tenancy agreement that was uh, issued many years ago, um, they would insist that that uh, tenancy agreement be honoured in full. Uh, and that's not a position that Salford, um, the devils, could afford to do at this stage because they just don't have the income, we don't have a benefactor, we don't have. Yeah, a, a huge load of support that are plowing in um, lots of money every season we have a dedicated fine you know sort of three to four thousand um but that isn't suffice to um to, to let, allow us to pay the extra cash to um the stadium owners currently so our fear is that because they may impose they um they do their statement and impose that uh to to others, that um, will be forced to either that money but then that obviously comes out of the player budget and eventually the team will be weakened and we'll end up being relegated in Super League and then situation in the Championship whereby um, we will not have the the crowds we'd have in Super League and the sort of inevitable spiral starts to, to kick in and for less money uh, less quality of player and then obviously then the performances drop and the results drop and then yeah, there's only one way that's going to end. So that's where we, we currently stand at the moment um, in terms of conversation. Now I'm talking on behalf of the Sports Trust and I'm talking on behalf of the club. Um, so that's that's where we understand it to be. So we've obviously uh, realised that we're in a situation whereby we need to act Relatively quickly, in order to try and shape the full process of those people who are involved in that decision making process. And as we understand it, that uh, essentially is the Salford Mayor, a guy called Paul Bennett, and the uh, Chairman of Peel Holdings, a guy called John Whitaker, who are the two shareholders that would have to put um, into paper in terms of any Contract of sale that was eventually um, made up uh, to whatever party that was going to buy the stadium. So we need to put as much um, pressure on and re- make the council in particular realise that um, you know we've achieved so much in, in recent years, and it's not just about the its club; it's about you know, what we do for the city of Salford, what we do in terms of um, outreach into community and there are only um, those types of involvement in um, going through with the Soul Foundation, so they're talking um, to schools and they're going to schools, they're going to community clubs to help with um, that coaching and um, you know, trying to get more people and more children involved in the league at the grassroots level and then obviously those Kids of them go out to all the community, uh, community clubs uh, in the area and there's quite a few those. But also that the Foundation undertake a whole load of different programmes to do with mental health, uh, to do with um, disability, sports as well. So they, they're a real asset to the city and when the city are pulling back into uh, particular plans with regards to budgets and, and budget cuts they are cutting back in some areas where the, the foundation uh sort of the devil's foundation um are very active in and we feel that we, we offer a great deal more than just being a rugby league club we're very much a community club and focused on helping the community uh, in the city and that's something that sell sharks uh, don't get involved in, in, in terms of the city of Salford. They may do it elsewhere around the different boroughs of Manchester, but in the city. So that's um, that's where we're at really. We're trying to put uh, the pressure where it needs to be uh, focused on, trying to get them to ensure that we will have a long-term future at the city of Salford Community Stadium.
0: If it does go through, and well, not go through, but. You know, if the plans are put in place, is there enough, is there enough opposition for it? You know, to re- to reject the proposals. You know, you've mentioned already that some of the councillors. Yeah, the,
1: the, the councillors are, are not being very forceful with regards to commitments, uh, because I think this is due to the um, the rules around, yeah, not um, like sharing and prayer. So, there's probably a limited amount of. Uh, information they can share with us. But um we've made it very clear that, you know, when we went to Grand Final uh, a couple of years ago, you know, we took thirteen thousand fans plus, I think probably even more than that on the ground. Uh we've had um a great deal of success obviously the, the previous so that the following season we got to the Challenge Grand Final, which is a very unusual uh situation, obviously with no spectators being allowed to travel down. But you know, we were confident we could probably they in the region of 20,000 fans down at Wembley, um, to support the club. So there is, there is support there for the club. Um, clearly we'd like to have more fans coming in to the stadium for every home game and, uh, we have a great away following as well. Um, and that would probably negate the need to have a, a conversation about tenancy, but, you know, we'll be out of it. I've um, got a, a, a petition online now with uh, almost 3,280 um, fans who, and am not sorry fans, but also from the top community who value the, the contribution that the Salford uh, Red Devils uh, add to the city of Salford and the pride they've they brought to the city over the last few years. Uh, and that's being recognised even by the Salford Mayor uh, saying that, yeah, it was great to see the, the club bring such success to the city. And, you know, it was, it was right behind us. Um, so, you know, he, he has come out in the past and said that uh, he um, welcomes all the efforts that the club are doing in terms of performance on the pitch, but also off the pitch as well. Um, the thing for us is, you yeah, know, I'm sure the, the, the mayor would... Um, want to see us remain in the city. There's, there's no question about that. Um, and I, I hope there's a, a real determination from his office to make sure that that, um, that position at DHL is secure for, for a long-term lease um, at an affordable rent. Um, and that's the crucial bit really it's affordable perhaps, sure that they could put something into the contract that said that you know, if it were to be sold the sulfur Devils would have a place there but yeah it has to be affordable has to be one that enables us to flourish on the field with, um, with our players uh, I mean one of the things that we're trying to do in a long term view is um, to really develop our youth pathway um, through the work that Paul Rowley going to embark on uh, in the next few months and that's about, you know, trying to create the inverted belt of talent from within the city that it's lost over time. You know, some of the real talented players, like Callum now has obviously returned to the, the, the city, but, you know, he, he was um, pinched at a very early age to go across um, and serve his career outside of the city as were many others. So, you know, we know that the city can can produce the talent and the fact that Paul now will be involved in that youth pathway to identify talent and nurture that talent uh, within the city and the community clubs but also um help the coaching aspects as well to really develop that talent from a coach point of view so working with the community clubs and, and going out into schools and things so you know, there's a long-term plan for us to be more successful um the, the short-term issue we have there is that a lot of that will be sacrificed um, and we'll not go ahead if we lose our position at the AJ Bell because you know the likelihood is that we um, wouldn't be as effective or as performing
0: at the, the right level that we have been doing over the last um, two three seasons. Yeah, uh, do, why do Sale want it? You know, Sail Sharks. What are they? Why Why do they want to be based in at the AJ Bell? And well, why did he want to run it? Yeah,
1: originally um fell were based at Hayward Road in the borough of Trafford. Yeah. Which is exactly where they should be. They should be in the borough of Trafford. Um and they felt that that stadium, because it is pretty much sort of like a lot with, with housing all around it, that they, they couldn't really develop that from where they could, you know, increase their, their crowds. So they moved to Ashley Park in Stockport for a period of time and they worked as a, as a tenant at um, that particular stadium for, for a period of years, and then decided that after the AJ Bell had been built, or the city of Southwark and stadium had been built, that they would look to partner with the stadium company uh, and become a tenant. And they, like us, have been tenants ever since, but they've obviously keen to uh, establish a base of their own. Um, and... They did initially uh, try and um, gain some uh, council support for a, a stadium, I believe, of Sale Harriers in, in the Borough of Trafford, uh, but unfortunately that was rejected by the the council because, so some of objections to that development going ahead. So I don't know a lot of the detail around that, but certainly uh, that was the story that of was told. And um, therefore, they've started to look around, and clearly they're the base the. City of Salford Community Stadium is where they're based currently, so uh, they've chosen to, to look at an um, option there. I mean, it's a 12,000-capacity um, stadium. It probably serves their the demand in terms of crowds quite well. Um, great motorway links uh, with the M60 just around the corner. And they've decided that that's where they want to go. Now, for us, that means the inevitable, you know, that um, you know, if they... To get hold of uh, the stadium, then they'll have the commercial power to be able to um, force us to pay more than than we can afford. And as I said previously, that's going to be something uh, that is not in the long term interest of the soccer devils. And and that's what we're focusing on trying to uh, secure.
0: Uh, I've read that uh, Sulphur City are in, somehow involved uh, w- with the sale as well, do you know anything about that?
1: Uh, well, there are some rumours that um, Gary Neville, um, one of the directors of Sulphur City has been around the state in, uh, a couple of terms, uh in recent weeks. and. The word on the street, though, this hasn't been confirmed because South City haven't come out and the made words, Gary Neville, but that they would be the partners um, of a future relationship of the city of South Australia. So if you um, think about the, the, the money behind city, sorry, South City, you would expect them to be able to afford
0: yeah. to pay more
1: than we can. Um, they've got very wealthy backers, uh, in fact a billionaire um, owner as well behind them so I don't think funds are too much of an issue they've obviously got ambitions to um, go through the um, the EFL in terms of promotion I mean they're in the to at the moment and yeah. uh, on the verge of getting a player place but um, that's not guaranteed but assuming that they continue to invest in, in their players and uh their infrastructure. Then clearly, that's the ground they currently sit out which is More Lane, and the east part of the city, then that wouldn't be um, big enough. I think probably big enough for League One, but probably not for big enough for sh- the Championship. So he's looking at you know the longer term future of the club and where they're going to play their, their, their football. But that said, you know, and the council of the um, Lord Mayor, sorry, the Southend Mayor, have said that they would look to keep Salford within the city would suggest that, you know, if Salford City did come to the city of Salford's Community Stadium and we went to Moor Lane, yeah. then it begs the question of suitability. You know, it's not big enough for Super League. Um Super League have uh, a basic requirement of five thousand one hundred as a as a capacity. Um that state isn't big enough for that. That's five four eight. it's it has no training facilities, it has no hospitality facilities generating income off the field, it has no office space for the staff to work out of. So, you know, it just doesn't offer the, uh, the type of option that we would have. I mean, it's again a very a difficult thing to get to in terms of parking. You know, people have to park several hundred yards away, if not a couple of miles away, and walk to the ground. So it's just not an ideal um, solution. For that, that point of view, you know, if we're going to have to go somewhere else, where do we go? I mean, for more lane, it would need a considerable amount of money spent on it, and a considerable amount of money spent on providing all those other things I mentioned, like office space and training facilities and hospitality. Um, who's going to pay for that? So there is. You know, strong rumours though nothing's been confirmed that it will go and that the the idea that we will go to more in in return and and that for us is not um, an option that is viable or
0: affordable. Yeah, uh, as I understand it, the AJ Bell is uh, loss making. So is is it like you know? do the council like sort of want to obviously cut backs and everything? Is it is it are they looking to get shot of it? Is that what it
1: is? I mean we've been very grateful for the support the council have given us over the years. So there's no question about it. You know, they have supported the club and uh, through through very difficult times and you know we're very grateful for that support and we we're grateful for their, their ongoing support for the for the club. Um the fact remains and, and the way I look at it is that you know there are some things that are just invaluable to the city and are almost beyond um monetary value. So if yeah. you think about you know, the club spent well, um, 148 years. Now, two years' time, we celebrate our 150th anniversary, and you know we've been, uh, for the vast majority of that period, um, within the city at various locations, but for a, a great deal of time at the Willows. And, and it wasn't our decision to leave the Willows. Now, there was a combination of, you know, Super League requirements um, that you know we had to move to the stadium. Um, that, those requirements were we never enacted it, um, with other clubs who are in Super Lady health who don't meet that uh, that standard. But we moved and, you know, with the, the intention of the the stadium being our home for, for many, many years to come. And, and that was the intention. So I, I recognise that there are pressures on budgets and you know, the council has to bow off the box at some point. And, but there are. You know, significant other factors that you have to take into consideration when you're making decisions like that, and um, the city don't wholly own the stadium. It's a 50-50 partnership with um, with Peel Holdings, yeah. who are um, big uh, acquirers of land in the area, and they obviously have their ambitions to, to develop in different areas of the city, but um, and beyond. But the fact is. Um, the original money that was raised by the council to build the stadium was from the EU. And the EU stipulated that that stadium had to be used for the community of Salford. Um, so that was a fundamental reason for why they um, allowed the, the city to borrow that money um, on favourable rates. And, you know, we want we'll to hold the council um, to that agreement that they originally signed, that... Is for the city of Salford and this community, and also for the Salford of the Devils. So we don't see why those rules should have changed, or those caveats should have changed in in any way, shape, or form between when it was originally agreed and signed um, all those years back. And and now, Um, you know, we are—you know, this goes ahead. We're ripping the the heart of the city out, you know, in terms of its. um, elite uh, sports status when we're the only club in the city that have that, that, that sort of elite uh, status uh, playing on the top of his sports. um sports, and we're likely to lose all that if we have to have uh, a for
0: forced out to somewhere else. And in terms of the time frame like, when is all this uh, going to like happen so when will when will the bids be put in and when when would the sale happen and then if you were for out of Ager, Bill, when would that be? Well, I, I'm not entirely
1: clear in terms of the contract, I don't have sight of that, but my understanding is that I think we have a tenancy agreement until the till 2023. No. Um, so that, I think, is the end of our tenancy agreements, but um, I don't know exactly if that's the case. I don't know what, um, if there if sale so what's to go through in between now in 2023, were that the terms of the tenancy agreement um, could be changed. So, if, if, for example, I'm just thinking hypothetically now that a sale board for for 2022 season and beyond, where well, they would enforce the original contract to be signed um, for the 350,000 pound a year rent. I believe is what um, was in that contract. You Notice know, so we don't pay that, how we pay significantly less than that. But um, whether they could have forced that and then ultimately forced to club out the stadium uh, because we couldn't afford to do that, then you know, I, I don't know about detail. I'm only just sort of, sort of trying to pull figures from various um, sources that I've, I've had um, and trying to build a picture. Um, so I, I think it's 2023, but it could be sooner.
0: Right. And um, the petition, how many. How many signatures has that got at right now? Uh, we've got um, just shy of
1: three thousand three hundred. We're about 2,279 as we speak. So, uh, but that ticks over pretty much every, every few minutes as more people throwing on. So, um, and that's been going just over a week. Yeah. Um, and yeah, inevitably these things come to a, a conclusion at some point, and so we've probably had as many. Uh, that's the majority of people signing it. But we've reached out to former players and they've been they've been brilliant in their best um, us. Uh, even current players, obviously, they're getting involved because it's part of our future. Um, we've had, um, obviously, people from around the world. I mean, I, I've been in contact with people from the two all corners of the world too, um, from Australia to from Argentina. You know, people that are experts who've moved out into different parts of the world or come across Salford in some way or another um, and I've been in touch to say that you know, it would be a travesty if we lost our home and, and it would be a travesty it would be an absolutely crushing blow to the, to the, to the city um, and to the club its and its fans and we're hoping that we can avoid that at all costs
0: Yeah, and looking into the crystal Bar, which is always dangerous Uh do you be, Do you believe that it will happen, or do you think you'll stay? Uh, well, I,
1: I think yeah, there's always hope, and while you've got hope, um, you know, you've always got something to hang on to. Um, if I'm being honest, I think it's a done deal.
0: Um, right.
1: I think the, the council have made their mind up, and they I think they've all their... The comments that have come through from various sources have suggested um, that they'll make sure the, the club stays within the city, but that, that smacks every time I hear that of, of a, a more lane option, a sort of city option, which um, yeah, is, and I say it time and time again, it's not big enough it's not got the um, it's not constructive in such a way that it allows us to do what we do best, which is you know train on, on facilities that are local you know, if we're gonna to have to move to another area of the city then we need an ability to be able to generate our own income uh, and income streams um so the is very best for that. <laughs> um so
0: yeah there's there's there are, there are a number of things that we um we need to have in in a, in a new world and and more doesn't offer that yeah uh, would the would the council not get you know do who actually owns More Lane now then? Is it is it Gary uh, Neville?
1: I believe it I believe no, I think it's uh, council World. Think Right. They, so um,
0: would they not then, you know, help to fund the developments of that?
1: Well these are these are questions that have been asked and you know we're we're still hoping that we can stay where we are. So yeah. um I, I don't want to really focus in on the potential obliviousness to somewhere else in when all my attention, are all the attention of the supporters, trust board, and the members, and the fans in general, are all about trying to keep us where we are. That's this, the stadium was built for us. You know, it's, it's not as if you know we've come along. Yeah, you know, after years after it's been built and, and, and acquired a tenancy, this is set up for Salford Devils to play out of our stadium, and it's set up to serve the community of Salford. It's not set up to serve a club from outside of the area coming in because they've got wealthy backers um, to literally um, make us homeless um, because uh, it would be a a business concern for them uh, and they would want to generate as much income out of our stadium as as possible and that really is not where we're at in terms of uh, financially. We don't have that sort of cash around. So, you know, you can... you know, it need to be a uh, margarita to work out where you'll be, you know, maybe there's some protection for a year or so, but
0: then um, after that um, you know, we, we could be in a very dire situation. Yeah. I hope it all goes well for you anyway, but um, in terms of on the field, what have you made of Salford's performance this year?
1: Well it's been a difficult start. You know, when you have a, a coach that's been at the club for a number of years and had his um, own ways, means of you know, working with that squad and um, then and clearly getting the best out of that squad over the last sort of two or three years. Um, it's always going to be a challenge when somebody new comes in yeah. and has to rebuild a squad from, yeah, I forget the actual numbers now in terms of new players, but it's, yeah. you know, it's probably something 11 or 12 or 13 players have come in um, to the squad. There's probably very few players now that you know, perform them in the grand final. Um, only two years ago, so it's, yeah, it's always going to be a challenge, and I think putting your own stamp on things when you have got a brand new squad is going to take you a little while.
0: That was Pete Prady there. Now, I approached Salford City Council for a comment, and here's what they had to say. Peter Openshaw, who's the interim strategic director of place directorate of Salford City Council, said... The stadium is owned via a 50-50 management partnership through the stadium company Koskos and Koskos has been approached by a potential buyer but no formal offer has been made. Salford Red Devils are also preparing a purchase proposal for consideration. No timescales have been set and no decision has been taken on whether to sell the stadium or on any terms of sale. The council is not the sole decision maker. But all offers will be considered on their own merits, and there is no guarantee that a sale would even be agreed at the end of the process, as has happened previously. Salford City Council has supported Salford Red Devils and Rugby League in the city for many years, and we continue to do so. Previous actions, including payment holidays on rent and loan support, have stabilized the club and given the board time to make longer-term plans for its future. We are aware of their concerns, but want to reassure fans that the council is committed to finding a solution that supports the Salford Reds. So, that's what Salford City Council had to say. I did also ask Salford City FC if they'd like to shed any light on the situation, but unsurprisingly, those requests fell on deaf ears. Now, in, in the interview, it was mentioned that the petition had just shy of 3,000 signatures, now that was as of last week uh, as I record this at uh, 22 minutes past 2 on Monday the 3rd of May the figure stands at just over 4,000 signatures. Now to find the petition I've linked it in the description of the podcast it's also on my Twitter feed at the Casey Smith, or you'll also find it at Salford RLFC underscore ST that's at Salford RLFC underscore ST and that's on Twitter so there's no excuse not to sign it Uh, I echo all of what Pete really was saying in that interview there you know this should not be allowed to happen and Talking about the Salford City angle, which is the most strange bit about this, I think. You know, if Gary Neville is involved, how disappointing. You know, everyone saw him a few weeks ago, stood on his soapbox against the proposed Super League in football, standing up for the everyday man. You know, so if he is involved, all I can say is, you know, it's very, very disappointing. If the Red Devils are forced out, the onus should be solely on the council to find them, an appropriate home that meets Super League standards and matches, if not betters the standards of the A.J. Bell. I'm sure the coffers will be boosted through the sale of the stadium, but I won't be holding my breath. Anyway, let's round up all the action from the Championship. Oldham beat Halifax 16 points to 12, I don't think many expected that. Alden played really well. It was a battling performance from them in the second half. They put Halifax under so much pressure and it took, I think, five, um, until five minutes to go just to get the advantage. You know, they really put Halifax under the cosh in the second half. And, you know, with a couple of minutes to go, you were thinking they're, they're not going to do it. But they finally, finally found the try. So credit goes to them because, you know, Halifax, they were leading for most of that game, even if they perhaps didn't deserve to be. And Oldham, they've been without quite a few key players. You know, Tyler Dupree's not been there, Ben Heaton, Ryan Ince. So, you know, that win makes it all the more impressive. Also, uh, Sheffield shared the spores with London. That was 20 apiece. Another impressive Eagles performance, and it's another performance where they've at least matched a side who's supposed to be one of the top in the division, you know, London, they're full-time. They might not be the team that they was in Super League, but they're still a big team in this division. For Sheffield now, they've beaten Bradford, they've beaten York, and now they've drawn uh, with full-time London, and they were leading in that game right on up right up until the last few minutes. The only disappointment for them is it was the Newcastle game last week. So how long before we start considering Sheffield as real top five contenders? Because they are performing very well at the moment. Let's talk about London. I don't know what's happened for them but it's one win from four so they've got to get winning because the playoff places are going to pass them by if not. There was also wins for York in what was a close-run tie with Dewsbury. York have not been fully convinced in this season either. It's this strange season. Dewsbury did very well, actually. You know, a couple of decisions that, that went against them basically handed the points for York and that was one that went up until the last couple of minutes. In the rest of the Championship action, Bradford overcame Whitehaven Widness finally put in a full performance against Swinton, winning 46-10. That was the round-up of the Championship. Now then, next week, it's the Challenge Cup week. Well, Friday evening, Catalans are playing Warrington. St. Helens are playing Huddersfield. There's also a Friday night fixture between Sheffield and Batley. Saturday, two more Challenge Cup ties, Hull and Wigan. Castleford and Salford and then Sunday there's quite a few fixtures in the championship ones in particular to look out for half seven on Sunday York v Featherston and also league one kicks off too so hear all the reaction for that and the North Wales Crusaders interview next week see you then